This is an ABC podcast. She's got the wide one. Bang. 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 Bang on. G'day. Hello, Zen. Am I looking at a soon-to-be Oscar nominee who could be on the red carpet next year? Am I looking at a woman who is about to make her big screen debut, Miff Warhurst? You are. You are. I cannot believe it that I would ever mention this in my life or get the chance to say it, but tonight I make my cinematic debut on the big screen, Zan. I cannot believe it. How, why, where, what? I haven't done any actoring in an actual film, but we're live streaming uh, the Rocky Horror Show into cinemas tonight. It's a once-off opportunity if this is a Thursday, if you're listening at any other time. Um, so you've already missed it. Bad luck. Uh, <laughs> just Snooze, yeah. you lose. That is, well, that's it. It's, it's reality, really. Um, and... <laughs> So I'm going to be on the big screen and I never, ever, ever want to see it because <laughs> I don't actually ever want uh, A, just between you and me, in the show I'm the narrator and I'm, I'm pretty much dressed like a tram conductor from the 70s. A cute one though. No, I don't know about that. I'm not entirely sure it's even cute. Um <laughs> It's pretty it's pretty dowdy, so I don't need to see that up on the big screen, A. And B, um, I'm pretty short and wide and cinema screens are short and wide. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? You're going to look amazing. You're on oh, the big screen. I'm on the big screen. I know. I have to get over myself, but it's very hard to get over yourself when you think about it in those terms. So I'll never be seeing it on a big screen. Thank you very much. I What's, prefer to look at a, on a tiny phone so I can't see anything at all. Like everyone sees their content now. What's what's the exactly. reason for the beaming out of the Rocky Horror? Because you're doing it at the moment in Sydney, but why is it beaming out to cinemas all over? Well, I think because it's the fiftieth year, it's a celebration. Oh, right. it's, it's a it's a it's a celebration of of the work as an historical piece here in Australia, and its popularity is, as you know, absolutely mm. massive here. But I think also it's for people who can't perhaps get along in regional areas; they get to see it in their city or their town um, at various cinemas. It's not in all cinemas, obviously, but there are some. And also for those who might not be able to afford a theatre ticket because theatre's not cheap, yeah. um, obviously because of the hundreds of people that work behind the scenes and venues and all that sort of thing, it costs a, a bomb to put productions like this on. So it's just, I guess, making it more accessible and therefore giving it a new life and, and giving it a, a new audience bringing new people who might not have seen it before to the theatre. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good I think it's a good reason behind it. I love that, yeah. you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how I've realised that I'm never going to actually go to the Oscars as a creative and now maybe my late life, late career. I mean, I'm not that old, but, you know, mid-career pivot mm-hmm. will be to become a, a PR person so I can just trot along yeah. behind an actual star Absolutely. at the Oscars. And you've taken the Rocky Horror route in order to get yourself on a cinema screen. That's so, right. really, 2023 continues to offer up surprises for us. Real it? surprises. I'm going for that. What's that when you get all the awards? The theatre award, the is it EGOT? EGOT, yeah. You want to be an EGOT? I want to be an EGOT. Don't we oh, all? That's, that's my goal. <laughs> that's my goal. I'm working on it. I'm going to hit there when I'm 80. How's that? Got a dream. You got a dream. You got a dream. You got a dream. You've also got to fail too. Failure is what makes you. So clearly I'm not going to get that. But yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's been a wild ride. That's all I can say. And what about you? You had huge news this week, Zan. Huge news. Yeah, so I am actually going to become a publicist. I've decided to... Um... <laughs> Are you, 
Is this on your mood board? <laughs> have you been have you been visualising this? And I'm not laughing because I'm making fun of publicists. I work with publicists every day. I love publicists. They work hard. They they really do. Their job is to ask people for favours. I respect publicists um, and thank publicists. But no, I'm I'm laughing because I am taking the piss a little bit. I yeah made an announcement that a lot of Bang Fam have actually gotten in touch about. So thank you for all your beautiful messages that I am going to be wrapping up doing full-time, five-day-a-week, double-J mornings for the rest of 2023. And I think that one of the things that we've talked about a lot in the last couple of years is um, trying new things, making space for new things, being challenged, particularly during, and I I know we talk about this a lot, but really the pandemic shifted my brain a lot. I think it shifted a lot of our collective brains a lot about what matters, how do we spend our time on earth, if we've only got a limited time or if things are going to change suddenly, what can we do with the things that, you know, the time that we have and the things that we can so-called control? So I have made the choice to um, step back a little bit from doing daily radio, which takes up a, a lot of time to do 15 hours of, of radio and everything that goes yeah, into huge. it. And I'm still going to be on Fridays because I love ripping the lid off it with Desco and Take 5 and, and, and seeing out the week and welcoming the weekend but I'm going to focus more on things like Bang On and doing more things that we do visually with Bang On, um, yeah. going into film, the Take 5 TV series, Series 2, which we're going to be starting very soon, and also telling stories in other ways, in other places, like sharing all the the favourite things. I love doing interviewing musicians about their stories and stuff and, and pushing that out all over the ABC. So it's a really big mm. change because I've been doing this morning's spot on Triple J and Double J for 17 years. I know, you won't know yourself, but you'll also, you know, I think you'll fit quite easily into the new routine, whatever that might be, because you're ready. You're ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I feel really ready. And I think, like I said, a lot of things have shifted. I tell you what, a lot of people have been asking me this week, are you just going to sleep in heaps? Because I'm just used to waking up at 6am every day and I quite Mm. like that. Um, No way in hell because Norman wakes me up at 5.30. And you know what? This morning he woke me up and he was sniffing my face as he does and his little wet nose wakes me up. Mm. He must have got a little bit of dust and I woke up to Norman sneezing in my face this morning. (laughs) Like, thanks, mate. Cat sneeze. That's the cutest way to wake up. Do you know how I woke up? It wasn't really cute. I couldn't be mad. It was a very cute way to wake up. Do you know how I woke up about four nights ago at 4 a.m.? This is the worst thing that can ever happen. That sound. Oh, no. Cat's about to spew a furball. Steve spewed a furball, not on me, but right next to my head. No. And I didn't wake up in time. That is a and then I woke way up. Greeted day. Was brutal. I had to flick it off with my sand, with my Birkenstock. <laughs> it was beside the bed. It was, it was like a grey tube. This is the life of television, radio, and big screen star Miff Warhurst. Absolutely. Waking up to Steve vomiting a furball right next to her head. Uh, happier, happier it's a, it's things. It's a glamorous life. It is a glamorous really. life. It's a real life. And yeah. we really do share it all on Bang On, don't we? Yeah. Oh, it does things to me. White Lotus, the White Lotus, mm. as it's officially known. The beautiful theme from Series 1, Series 2, just building on the love of that. It began in Hawaii, second series was in Italy, and now sources 
are telling us that the rumours are true. Third series is coming to Asia, specifically Southeast Asia, specifically Thailand. Did you hear oh, about this, Miff? I did. Home of wellness. Thailand <laughs> has been at the forefront of wellness way before anybody else. If you remember rightly, you could pop on over to Thailand and they had beautiful resorts for you to go and detox and do all that sort of stuff. Mm. Well, sort of long before even Gwyneth had Goop, really. It was it was Thailand. I don't Thailand remember time before be. Goop. Sorry, I just don't remember yeah. that time. I know, I know. But it was a great place. I mean, look, I had a few friends that went over and did the whole kind of colonic thing over mm. there many years ago. And I remember them talking to me about walking around with a bucket. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound like a fun time to Yeah, it doesn't me, sound like a good holiday. But you do you, do you boo. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this could be really, really interesting because I think it will obviously have to incorporate parts of that. But you never know. Like, And hopefully we'll get some great actors from Thailand who will be able to star in it in the same way that the previous series has done or all of the series have has done. Um, and I think it's just a wonderful way to, to spotlight and focus in on – Local talent as well. Yeah, 100%. Mike White's talked about this a little bit and hinted that it was going to take place in Asia, but said, as you suggest here, the focus is going to be on death and Eastern religion and spirituality. Oh, okay. So the first series was money. Second series was sex. Third series is going to be about, you know, religion, spirituality, death, all the, you know, all the small topics. Mm. Um, And I'm keen. I don't think they've started filming it yet, but apparently Mike White has been scouting locations. Mm. And I was particularly... It's a hard day at the office, isn't it? So I've just got to pop on over to Koh Samui to check out seven amazing resorts. I went the full White Lotus uh, last year when I did a little trip after a pretty hectic year and I took myself off to Phuket for the first time in more than 20 years and I did the full I'm just going to hang out at the resort and I felt like I was in White Lotus the whole time. I felt like a loser a little bit because I was like, I'm just not leaving. I'm like, I just need to rest. But nothing bad happened. I didn't die, which was great but I felt very White Lotus. There are so many resorts that you can tap into in Phuket, in broadly yeah. in Thailand. There's so many islands. I just want to add to lots of people are putting their hands up to get a role in the new White Lotus in Thailand. And I think one of my favourites, <laughs> obviously Gwyneth Paltrow is auditioning as we speak in the court case, which we're about to speak of in just a couple of minutes. But Helen Badu yes. has put her hand up. <laughs> I mean, she's got so many sarongs. Exactly. She's ready. She's got the tanning liquid. She's got the white wine. She also does the screen that's in the actual intro music. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that's one element of the casting that I can absolutely get behind. (laughs) Helen Badu in White Lotus Series 3. Can uh, you imagine? Make it happen. Even if it's like just a bit part, it's the middle of a scene and you just see Helen stumbling in the background. (laughs) It would just be such a good little Easter egg. Oh, genius. So good. If you're not following Anne Edmonds on socials, do it now and you will see the incredible video that she reshared when someone suggested that. She's actually, Edo's going to be kicking off her first solo show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival Uh, In four years this weekend, a lot has changed in her life. It's very much a show about motherhood, but I just wanted to give her a shout out because she's one of my favourite comedians and she's doing shows for the first time in ages solo this weekend and also I think heading to Sydney and and Brisbane. So, so good. She does some secret Helen Badu shows too. Drop a few she's either gonna, Helen Badu. She's going to turn up on White Lotus or Maths sometime in the next few oh years. Oh, my like, God. This is what she's going to be appearing as. It's just going to was... take everyone by surprise. Oh, my God. If if Maths had a freak in the sheets this season, <laughs> imagine what Helen Badu would do to that.
God. It's been a very big week for television, though. If we're talking about HBO, which is what The White Lotus usually airs on, Succession returned and the very first episode of what is going to be the final season kicked off on Monday Australian time. Did you watch it? I got halfway through it because I do late nights and now that I I don't get home till like 10, 10.30. So I started watching it last night for in preparation, but I fell asleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you I, remember I was, what point you fell asleep? Nah, nah. I was, just got tired. But oh, no, no, it's now. And then that was it. And I had had Logan Roy yelling at me in my dreams, but that's okay. There was no fuck off in this episode, no sadly, off. but there was definitely that kind of energy. He was, mm. he was, you know, internally grumpy and sad and lonely as well a little bit. Mm. It was a very dense episode, I thought. I mean, maybe it's because I'm coming off the back of watching The Last of Us, which was in that same time slot, Sunday nights in America, so Mondays in Australia, and I've just been watching that every week, and that is very sparse in dialogue, like it's, you know, Joel mm. in particular, the main character, barely speaks. And then you flip it over to Succession, which is just all dialogue. Yeah. L- amazing dialogue, but just so dense and so mm. much going on. And I could, like a little bit tiring in contrast, I think. Well, I fell asleep. And I hate to say that about my favourite television show, but um, I think you're right. Maybe it could be the vibe shift. Do you think it's come back to bite us? Yeah, we want more White Lotus. We want a little bit more chill. relaxing scenery. And But the thing is, too, I was watching it last and night. And zombies, going, also that. Yeah, Jed, we just it, it need a little bit more blank space mm. in there somewhere. Maybe we have gone down a gear post-pandemic. It felt and, fast. It felt fast and dense to me. I mean, I'll be yeah. in it. Like, I loved it because it's brilliant dialogue, yeah. but it was just a lot, a lot of information. It was a lot. And I was just thinking about how... And that beautiful house that they were meeting in, the kids, oh my God. which was obviously some amazing Hollywood mansion mm. and and just what looking at how beautiful and serene this place was and yet they never get to enjoy it yep. ever and how beautifully architecturally designed it was and they just don't even notice things like that. It's, it's, it's almost like the outside means nothing to their interior world every time and I just – I actually – I think I've changed. I need to look, go and look outside and look at the sky. You need to and go so and make... live in a really expensive Hollywood mansion. <laughs> I do. I'd like to live in the Hollywood Hills. You know what... When I get my EGOT, I'll be up there and I'll be inviting you all. Well, babes, you're on the way tonight. You're on the way. Thanks. Thanks, babes. I can't, that... people, can't, people can't wait to see me looking like a tram conductor. <laughs> That's the kind of shit you get nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> Fake nose or dress like a tram conductor. Right. And there's your nomination. There choo is your choo. nomination. But that Sorry, right. that's a train conductor. No, okay. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Choo choo is appropriate. It's all right. You grew up on a tram. You're allowed to make whatever sound you want. That's right. You had a special childhood. We all know that. Now, the, <laughs> the, that thing that you're talking about, I actually was just reading about that because I've been reading about stoicism as we've banged on about before. After I read Bridget Delaney's book about stoicism, I've read another book about it from another philosopher. Yeah. And he talked about this thing called, I love it, adaptive hedonism, where basically it's this idea that as, as you continue to elevate your life, as you earn more money, as you buy more things, and this is very Kardashian-related, you just normalise it. So you no longer get excited about it anymore. And that's what the Roys have, you know. They're surrounded yeah. by this obscene wealth. And whatever they put on top of it, it's kind of like a little bit exciting. There's a new shiny thing. There's a new shiny company they can acquire. And then or a very new shiny person. A new shiny person. And very quickly they get bored of it because it's adaptive mm. hedonism. 
So there's a lot I love of that, that term. I love it too. I've been it just it, it it opened my world when I thought about that, and also made me think about that idea of I think something that I fell into the trap of again during lockdowns and stuff, which is I'll just buy something to make myself happier, and it never works. Do you know what? It never can works. I say, can I just say all the clothes I bought during lockdown, I don't want to wear ever. Oh, really? Again, like I can't. Association. I can't put them on. I just can't put them on. It was a time. Is that because you're a tram time, conductor now? Yes, that's right. True, true. <laughs> like I look at those clothes and go, I can't wear those. Yeah. I don't know what it is and I don't know why I've mentioned that, but it's funny because I've had to pack because I've been living in a different city for the last three months and I had to pack all the things I needed and I took nothing that was worn in those, except for tracksuit pants, no one cares about them, um, that was worn in that time. I just couldn't pack it. Yeah. I understand I that. It. Leave it all behind. Yeah. Well, Succession will continue for the fourth and final season. I don't care about any of them. This is the other takeaway I got. I'm not rooting for anyone. They're all awful people. And I was reminded of that, of just how awful they are. Uh, I will still absolutely watch every single week. Totally. Speaking of filthy rich people, last week we were talking about the beginnings of a civil trial of Gwyneth Paltrow, founder of Goop that yeah. we do talk about quite a lot. She's pretty much given up acting. She's really focusing on this wellness part of, of her life. and I, I actually think she's a philanthropist as well. I think she's giving to the world and giving to comedy something. <laughs> Not money, just laughs. Not money, just laughs. <laughs> like I, I genuinely don't think she realises, but without Gwyneth, we, there's a lot of jokes that we can't say or wouldn't say or even think about. She's just She's a philanthropist. Well, She's may- giving her life to comedy. Maybe her Melbourne International Comedy Festival show is kicking off this week as well because here are just some key highlights from her um, in different shades of beige and cream and neutral tones every single day in the courtroom, which has been captured, um, like this moment between her and the lawyer representing the person who is suing her. And he has deterred you from enjoying the rest of what was a very expensive vacation. Well, I lost... Half a day of skiing. <gasps> I don't know how she copes. <laughs> Nightmares. It's, it's a tragedy. She lost half a day of skiing, Miff. It's a tragedy. Here's, here's another moment. And he said, I think you skied into me. Yes. And that's when you were furious and said, you skied directly into my effing back at Sorry. the top of your lungs. Yes, I did. Okay. I apologize for my bad language. <laughs> No, she does not. Just that deadpan. She's like, I just want to know what's clocking through her head. She's so deadpan through all of this. And kind of this sort of like wide-eyed, I am holier than thou. I should not be here. I'm going to win this thing. That quiet confidence, that quiet beige confidence that she has through this whole trial is so amazing to watch. That's right. That's right. But it's actually working for her because what she's doing is she's countersuing in the same way that Taylor Swift did a couple of years ago in order to ask for $1 and legal fees if uh, she is improved, in fact, correct, Mm. uh, that he did run into her and not the other way around. And that's how Taylor Swift got embroiled into this whole thing. But she needs to appear as somebody who is absolutely made of money and who gives no fucks whatsoever because then that proves her argument that he's trying to fleece her of money because she's famous. So this is her greatest acting gig yet. Apparently the man who's suing her, Terry Sanderson, who's an optometrist, from what I've read, 
He has been obsessed with this case since it happened and obsessed with bringing this to a civil Mm. trial. Apparently he had to split up with his girlfriend because she was like, I want no part of this as you're about to go. She knew that it was about to be raked over with the world's media. Mm. And if you want to know what his side of the story is, here's a little bit of the, um, is it the plaintiff? Is that what I would call him, the plaintiff? Haven't watched Judge Judy in a while. Anyway, this guy. It's been a while. Terry Sanderson, this is what he had to say. Everything was great and then... I heard something I've never heard at a ski resort, and that was a blood-curdling scream. Just, I can't do it. It was, and then, boom. I've heard that. (laughs) So as if you haven't heard a blood-curdling scream at a ski resort. You're flying down a mountain at... 60, 80 kilometres an hour, aren't you? Of course there's screams. And new people getting off the ski lift. I've heard more (laughs) blood-curdling screams from those people than any other place in my life. (laughs) Oh, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) I can't do this! Well, Marina Hyde once again has come through in The Guardian. She wrote a brilliant piece titled, Did Gwyneth Paltrow ski into a retired optometrist? I couldn't care less, but the farce is unmissable. And she's captured it so beautifully in this piece. We will put it in the show notes, but man, this had me laughing all the way through me. It's so good. There are just so many catchphrases in this article that just proves that the Brits have got an incredible turn of phrase and they use it to their advantage and it is quite often some of the funniest writing you'll ever read. Uh, she called our Gwynnie high priestess of fanny steaming, her vagesty. I like, it's just genius. Where does that come from? I love it. Why is this not happening at The Hague, she asks. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, but no sense of occasion. Her vagesty. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And, um, yes, as I mentioned before, a lot of people are saying that this is her audition for White Lotus. And I think I think if um, anyone's going to write the next series of White Lotus, I think it needs to be Marina Hyde. She needs to get on in there and help out with this one. So good. Category five neutrals is how she describes Gwyneth's look throughout oh the God. entire series. The whole Genius. thing is brilliant. Do check it out. I will put it in the show notes. Easily found by going into your podcast app, scrolling down through the show notes, and there's all the links right there. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, somehow. You'll find it if you spend some time. Hey, another thing that we were talking a bit about last week, and again, these things keep coming up because the world is as we know it. Nepo babies. It's been in conversation a lot this year, particularly around Jamie Lee Curtis, who is fighting the fight for Nepo babies. But last week we were talking about Romy Mars, who is the daughter of the lead singer of Phoenix, Tomar, and his wife, Sophia Coppola, both incredibly wealthy and successful creative people. This week we got another Nepo baby introduced to us, and a star is or was born a while ago and again on American Idol. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm good. I'm Kaya. Nice to meet you guys. This is my dad. I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. Dave Stewart, who is accompanying me today. Hi, Dave. How are you? Oh, my God. Blast from the past. Uh, I'm loving this. (laughs) That's Lionel Richie. Katy Perry. Oh, my God. Blast from the past. Oh, my God. You're so old. Holy shit. They've written some of... Dave Stewart's written some of the greatest songs of all time. That's not how you... Address him. Show a little bit of respect. He is also Kaya's dad and uh, co-wrote a song with her, which she then proceeded to perform on her audition for American Idol. And I've got a 
mean, we've all been there. We've all been to get a tattoo removed, haven't we? She speaks of the people. Is that what what the words were? I'm going to get this tattoo removed. Oh, dear. (laughs) It's really touching at the heartstrings, isn't it? That's, That's the sort of emotional song the world needs, really. What's the energy, though, of bringing into a large singing competition your dad, not just saying I'm the daughter of Dave Stewart, but literally bringing him in to play backing guitar. I know. Founder and one half of the Eurythmics and getting through like she's actually gotten through to the American Idol competition. We're going to yeah. probably be a little bit more nitpicky with you because you're good and also you understand it. Yeah, you know yeah, the business yeah, yeah, and the business is real. Thank you, guys. You're going to Hollywood. Well, she already lives in Hollywood. She lives in West Hollywood, to be specific, as a show in the front. Okay, Am I allowed to put my hand up and say, she doesn't need this? She doesn't need it. What's that about? Getting ratings on television. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And getting the older audience who know who Dave Stewart is. Maybe that's what it is. The older audience who are the people who are watching television. Well, they're the ones who decide. no one under 30 is watching television anymore. That's right. And they're the ones who decide what channel the television is on at night. (laughs) So, oh, God, it's just, I I mean, Nepo Pabies, go for your life. I don't care. I I just really couldn't give a shit. Do what you want. Um, Utilise those contacts, whatever, whatever. But, you know, like, I don't know. Isn't American Idol about the journey from kind of, Underdog to hero, isn't that the point? It's about discovery, I guess. Yeah. Katy Perry did say that, though. She picked it up. She's like, aren't there other ways, you know, given you're well-connected? It was kind of framed in a a nice way but in a very Mm. valid way. Like Lionel Richie was just frothing. He was like, man, we got inducted into the Hall of Fame together. You're my brother. And I'm like, just calm down, mate. Stop kissing his ass. Like, I know you're excited, (laughs) but let's just take a step back. Katy Perry rightfully was like, don't you have other ways of doing this? Why would you come on American Idol? And she talked about, um, Kaya talked about how it's one for songwriters and it's legitimate, which, you know, is a questionable thing. No, it's not. (laughs) No one on American Idol has won with their own song. I, I, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm correct on that, but I'm I think it's pretty safe to assume. Anyway, there you go. Nepo babies, they'll never leave us. And you know what? They provide a lot of entertainment, so I am fine with it. You sent me through an article about some new iPhone emojis that are dropping. We always love talking about this because it really kind of takes the temperature of what the world wants. I just want to put yeah. it out there. Still no vinyl record and no CD. They've just, that's never going to happen, is it, Miff? Oh, but a CD would look terrible as an emoji. <laughs> it's just a disc and a vinyl. I mean, look, a vinyl record might look cool, but I think, yeah, I don't think, yeah. I'm happy with a record. I don't need a CD emoji because I'm not saying, hey, can I borrow your, oh, no, hang on, I'll put an emoji in, your um, <laughs> Van Halen CD from 1989. Can I borrow that? No one's no one's writing that message. I think they're, they're reading the room on that one, Zan. I'm well, going gonna, gonna to counteract you on it. One, yeah, that's true. It's valid. I don't think the last time I texted someone to ask if I could borrow a CD, it, it actually mm. exists. I'm not also not sure the world really needs um, maracas as... Uh, <laughs> As a new emoji. But Netflix I mean, suggests a bit of party, like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, true. Ole, let's go. It's Friday night. Let's have a drink. Let's That's let's true. party. Like, you know, have a little fiesta, right? Yeah, good point, good point. A ginger, um, maybe that's useful as an emoji. Why it's important, though, is because this is language. This is a language mm. now. It's not necessarily um, just something fun. It's actually become a language in itself and a new way of communicating, and it might mean down the track this is the only way we communicate. So perhaps 
it's important. This is the wingdings of our time, Miff. Absolutely. Wingding. There's a reference um, that no one under 30 is going to get. Oh, far out. I've forgotten <laughs> about wingdings. Um, the shaking head. How do you feel about the shaking head? It's a bit fuzzy and out of focus and looks like it's shaking. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure about that one. It makes me feel a bit seasick. Yeah, I'm the same because I have to, I'm like, is this actually out of focus or is it real? It's And also just the way that it could be used. I reckon this is going to get a lot of use. Um, shock reactions, mm. maybe excess movement or for use during an earthquake. Now, I don't think I'm looking through my emojis to st- <laughs> while there's an no. earthquake to find the shaking face. No. Maybe that's just me. I don't think so. Oh, and good to know they've, they've finally got a Wi-Fi symbol there for you to use. <laughs> that didn't exist beforehand. That seems like an oversight. It does. And also the other one that I found really interesting was the comb. And that was a comb that was is specifically used for curly hair mm. that was particularly fashionable in the 80s when yeah. everyone had perms. Yeah. So um, I like that addition. Well, perms are like, back now. I've got friends who have back. had perms. Mm, and you need that specific comb. So I have people still asking me if I've had a perm. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that. I don't. I love the idea of you being at the salon getting a perm <laughs> once a month. You know that I once got my hair permed straight. You can do that. The same chemical that you use to perm your hair curly, you can use to perm it straight. How long did it last? Not long. The, nah. the curls are fighting out, don't try and fence me yeah. in, Zan. What are you doing? <laughs> it's just disgusting, kinky hair for a oh, long time. No. no directions. Like That was the first and last time I ever got a straight perm. Oh, that's amazing. Got the, photos? Uh, yeah, I do actually, yeah. You know what else I did? I got a straight perm and then I went to Southeast Asia. That was the first time oh, I went. the most <laughs> moist place on earth. Yes. It's going to cause the frizz. <laughs> what an absolute dingbat. One of the things that I'm excited about seeing is that there is finally just a normal, straight, simple pink heart. We've got lots of different hearts on emojis. We've got the two hearts. We've got the heart wrapped in a bow um, in the pink colour. But I use the pink heart a lot because our team colours on Bang On are orange and pink. And whenever I use it, I use the orange heart and then I have to use the two little pink hearts. So just thank you so much to all the Bang fam working in iPhone development who have decided that we need a pink heart to go into our uh, text branding as we share the news of Bang On. That that reached me and touched me deeply. I appreciate Beautiful. that. I appreciate we do. that. We all appreciate that. Hey, Miff. Yeah. Fashion time. This is exciting. It is very exciting. Well, it's not real, but... <laughs> It gave me Keep a bit of joy Keep the dream alive for at least the, till the song ends. Gave me a bit of joy this week to see a photo and it went viral. It was an image of the Pope and the Pope was wearing, was resplendent, I think we can say. Mm. He'd replaced his normal flowing white gown uh, with a white full-length Balenciaga puffer jacket. Mm. And I think everyone was just blown away by the fact that this could actually be, in fact... A possibility, um, given the, the sort of extravagance of those gowns and the, the pomp and ceremony that goes with Catholicism. Maybe they've they've sort of uh, updated to the twenty. I mean, puffer jackets. Twenty two thousand and fives was the big kind of era for the early puffer jacket, and it's continued on to this day. So maybe they're just sort of updating early two thousand style. And the Pope was just keeping warm. It is winter. In Europe at Gotta the moment. Gotta protect the organs. And it looked, ama- looked, frankly, it looked amazing. I would never wear because I still can't come to the puffer and I know that it's something that is my issue now. I really need to get <laughs> over that. 
I lived oh, but in a England. white puffer is like literally Michelin man. And think about you couldn't eat anything, and as soon as you went outside, it would get dirty. That was resplendent white, just waiting for some stainage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, all that pasta that the Pope's eating—it's true. It's, that's got to go somewhere, doesn't it? A carafe doesn't of always... wine, forget about it. All the way down that's the right. puffer. That's right. That's right. But we found out, though, very, very quickly that this was, in fact, um, an AI-created image. It was used using a program that, that creates artworks using AI. And it was done by Pablo Xavier, who's a 31-year-old construction worker from Chicago. Um, he declined to share his name over fears that he could be attacked for creating these images because, you know, you mess with the Pope, people get upset. But mm. I thought it brought a bit of joy to people. But he also said uh, in, on that note he was tripping on shrooms <laughs> the week when he came up with the idea for the image. Um, so I mean, it makes doing, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, he's not doing himself any great service <laughs> when it comes to batting away criticism there. Um, but, no, he's been using a particular program that had a rather lovely, actually, uh, a lovely story that he fell in love with this AI art program after his brother passed away and he was just dealing with the grief making images of his brother. But now he's channeled it into something that, well, I guess gave some of us joy and made a lot of people believe that it was real. I believed it was real. I believed it I was, was real too. I was going to retweet it um, and go, that that's a... That's quite a hot look, actually. Quite stylish. We're also heading into puffer season in Australia because in, in many parts of the country it's getting cooler, autumn into winter. You're starting to see those puffers come out. And um, I feel like a lot of people were inspired by this. Yeah. But it's interesting. Think, are you ever going to go to the puffer? Do you have a puffer? I haven't yet. I've thought about it since, you know, relocating back to, to Melbourne um, and I've sort of felt that cold and also just I've got some great jackets but they're quite heavy. And also having a cat, like I've got a jacket that just like sucks up cat hair. So I feel like a puffer, you could just shake it out and all the cat hair would come off. Just hose it down at the end of the day. Hose it down. Um, I haven't yet done it though because of the Michelin man effect. I'm actually looking at Balenciaga hooded long puffer. Oh, yeah. This is for women $4,850. Oh, what a steal. It's a steal. I think I can get you one for Christmas. I'm looking forward to that. Surely. When I absolutely need a puffer when it's 35 degrees on Christmas Day. That's, that'd be mm. great. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Just looking out for you. Do you reckon, though, that that, I mean, we haven't really talked about AI that much, but it is the rise of AI art and the way that it can hoodwink us and mm. even that idea of, um, I actually had a friend recently who, who lost a loved one and he's been making AI art of his partner too. Like oh. it's a broad spectrum, isn't it, in the way that it's used and to, mm. to keep things alive and to also create something new. But that line of what is real and what is fake mm. feels like we have to continually apply a lens to it and just go, hang on, dig a little bit deeper because it might mm. not be, we might not be seeing what we're actually getting in reality. I think a lot of people who are working in tech at the moment are particularly concerned because I think they're aware of, of what can be created and what can be done and they're speaking out quite vocally saying we are not prepared for what's next. Yeah. We are just not prepared for what's coming and that is being able to understand what's real and what's not. Yeah, there, there are some positives to it for sure. And um, I haven't used it yet but a lot of people are using the app ChatGPT to construct, you know, certain things in the workplace, writing proposals, doing things such as that, writing TV shows, and it's actually quite successful and it's actually quite good in mm. parts, which is also terrifying for anyone who writes, <laughs> which is me. I think there is genuine concern that we as a society might not be ready for the impact of, of this AI technology 
but then also it could be used in wonderful ways. Well, it already so is, be. That's the thing. Like the idea of AI, fear. it's already... Don't live in fear. We use it every day in so many things. So yeah. I think this idea of this bogeyman of AI, like it's complex. Mm. It's a little, mm. Just a little side bang. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but while we're in the AI sphere, there was a fantastic book that was released a couple of years ago by one of the leading thinkers on the ethics of AI, Kate Crawford, who mm. some Bang fan might remember used to be one half of Biff Tech. Biff Tech who were way ahead of their time, Yep, literally had a song 22 years ago with the lyrics, machines do the work so that people have time to think, that then flipped to people do the work so that machines have time to think. Like mm. knew what the hell they were talking about, what the future held. So Kate doesn't really make music anymore but is one of the leading ethicists on AI and wrote this great book. I think it's called The Ethics of AI that came out a couple of years ago and it's just so good and brilliant and will open your world to that. Mm, so um, mm. highly recommend that. And look, if ChatGPT can help with me write emails and reply to emails, I'm fine with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely going to let it do my admin. I absolutely. I seriously think the other day I got a radio script, I won't name names, but it was from someone else in the broader ABC and I looked at it and I was like, <gasps> this was definitely written by ChatGPT. And you know it, what? I had to correct it. It was not a good script. Really? Yes. So how do you tell? I mean, I've, no, I've not done it. It so was like reading tell? a Wikipedia intro. Like was it, it was, yeah, it was, there was no heart. There was no human. There was just no humanity to it. So, I've, from what I've read of it, everything that that churns out is far more polite than I would. <laughs> I like it. Chat GPT tidying you up at every corner. <laughs> uh, speaking of actual bang ons, what are you banging on about this week? Oh my goodness, this has uh, taken me by surprise. I'm just loving watching it at the moment because I just find it's on when I get home and um, it's given me pure joy. And it is, of course, Back in Time for the Corner Shop, Annabelle Crabbe's latest series. We've seen Back in Time for Dinner and I have to be honest, I didn't watch much of that one. I, I love the idea of it. I adore the idea of, of exploring, you know, previous and past worlds through food. That's a beautiful thing. But I feel like the corner shop is just absolutely tapping into some sort of nostalgia vein for me in the best possible way. It's beautiful. They've got a corner shop. They go through from the 1800s through I think the last episode was the 1960s and 1970s and it's just, I don't know if it's tapping into that idea of, Remember, you'd have little dolls' houses and little fake food, and you'd play shops. Play and, shops. Play shops in the bedroom. It's move so your desk good. over so you had a counter. Yeah, sell things to your parents and put it like make a few things out of boxes, out of a shoe box. You'd make a cereal box out of a shoe box. I used to play shops every like lunchtime and recess, and we'd use the leaves off the trees that were in the the playground as money. Yeah, of course I you love would. playing I mean, shops. Shops is great, and this is what it's like. <laughs> and they've got the family back, you know, that the Farones family, and they're gorgeous. They're a bit older, but the girls don't seem too affected by how they're perceived on the outside, which I think is really sweet. They're mm. just at that age still where it's not quite – they haven't turned into, you know, a, a super aware – that, I mean, they are, obviously, but they're, they're really great to watch and, and I just love the idea of just who's working in the art department and I'm so jealous they would have had an absolute ball rejigging this shop for every single era. And But it also comes with a little bit of information as well, you know, lots of people coming through to explain certain things and, and moments. And I don't know, I'm just really enjoying it. It's really sweet 
And it's, yeah, it's really cute, but it really taps into that. I'm disappointed they didn't, you know, they've had like Jeff Fat come in and talk about his experience growing up in a corner shop and a whole bunch of celebrities. Ida Buttrose because they do the magazines in the in the 70s and the beginnings of Cleo. I'm just very disappointed they didn't get me in as an expert to talk about shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get done for shoplifting? <laughs> Once I stole like a, I think it was a pack of um, Lifesavers from our mixed business in Redcliffs and mum made me take it back. Hang on, you stole it from your own shop? No. Oh, no, is in our, We only had say, one shop. We only had one mixed oh, business Our in mixed town. business is in the one our in mixed, town, yeah, not the one that yeah. your parents owned. No, 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 no. And mum made me take it back. We haven't ever talked about our shoplifting pasts. I mm. got done shoplifting as well and the police scared me and took me home in the back of a divvy van. You're joking. I'm you must not have kidding. been a tiny kid. I would have been 13, maybe 12. Oh, that's awful. They can't do that. They it worked do that though. Today. They scared me. Never shoplifted again. What did you shoplift? Well, I was shoplifting, um, like, you remember all those, uh, again, shitty magazines that were like the American import magazines mm. that were not smash hits, but along those, and they were all the magazines. Mm. It just had, like, pictures of cute boys like Balthazar Getty and Young Guns and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and they had, you know, posters that were folded and they were inside. And because they cost, like, 6 or $8 because they were all American import, like, teen magazines, mm. um, we'd just go and nick them. And so one what, day I, I got done. How were you nicking it? Putting it in a bag or up your up your jumper? Probably so. Obviously, we thought yeah. we were so oh, doing it on the slide, <laughs> just like <laughs> somehow slipping into our bag. And we got done by a secret shopper. They existed. <gasps> they she existed. was trailing us around, and she tapped us, and we were walking out, and they tapped us and pulled us back in. <gasps> oh and my I was god! Crying. The fear. The I was fear. crying in the office of the local Safeway, crying. But the police took you home. They took me home and the whole time I was in the back of it, I'll, I'll never forget it because it was just like a seat, aluminium seat, kind of bucket seat in the back of a divvy van. And you know how when you open up like a jar of jam and the top just pops back and forth? Yeah. Um, it just kept on popping in and out the whole time we were driving oh. home. And I just remember that. And I also remember because at the time I was, you know, I grew up going to church and I was thinking, oh, my God, I hope Pastor Mel doesn't see me through the divvy van. I oh don't want to disappoint him. And also getting out in front of your parents' house so all the neighbours can see. Oh, Zan, that must have been a big time in your life. They did a number on me. Yeah, they did. Never shoplifted again. So it worked. No, that's true. Anyway. Anyway, I think I believe we've never does shared it. that before. Everyone, everyone does it at some point. I think it's a, but it's shoplifting a, is wrong. Sure, of course. I mean, we're not we're not condoning it at all. But um, I think it's a it's a teen rite of passage because it is actually testing boundaries, which is exactly what teenagers do. Yeah. Are you can ask me what I'm banging on about. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what are you banging on about, Zan? Thanks for asking. It's been a while since I've forgotten. I <laughs> know oh, it's good. I don't know if it's keeping you on your toes that you forget or the other way around, but I like oh, it. No, it means I'm enjoying myself. I'm in, an, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a zone. You're at the shops. That's what's happening. You're I was at, at the, shops. the shops. You're at the shops. I'm banging on about something brand new that, well, pretty new, dropped in mid-February called The Coldest Case in Laramie. It's a podcast that has been made by the production company that put out Serial. Serial mm. is in S-E-R-I-A-L who have had two seasons of... Not Nutri-Grain. No, <laughs> podcasts yeah. come out. I think that they've been acquired by the New York Times recently and this series is hosted and put together by a journo at the New York Times called Kim Barker. She's the creator and host of this eight-part podcast 
And yes, it is revisiting an unsolved murder that took place while Kim was in high school in a little town called Laramie, Wyoming, 40 years ago. Now, the reason I put this on, because we were literally talking about how I wasn't that into, and I really don't like true crime podcasts. I had to do some pottering around the house last weekend, and I like listening to audiobooks or podcasts, but I haven't listened to a new podcast in ages. So I literally went onto the app and went, what's trending at the moment? And this was at the top of the list. And I thought, I'll give it a go. And yes, it is another story of the death of a young woman uh, at the hands of a man and there's a lot of racism, there's a lot of sexism, there's a lot of bad police work. So it's kind of the same story that you hear in many other things. But the thing that set this apart was it really is mostly a story about memory and about collective memory and how time can warp it and how it can solidify it and how the stories that we we tell and that we tell ourselves become fact and how when you're looking at an unsolved murder 40 years later that has been reopened recently and someone charged, but then nothing happens, it's like, well, why does this happen? And these people who thought they knew what went on at the time, maybe they're completely off because they re-look at the evidence. It is a little bit unsatisfying. I will give it that caveat if anybody's thinking about diving in. But I think the point of it is not to crack open a case to necessarily solve anything to get a definitive answer. I think the point of it is about this idea of the memory and the fallibility of memory. And in terms of the way that it was told, it was just brilliantly told as a journalistic piece. So it's an eight-part podcast. They all run like 25 to 30 minutes each. And yeah, I found it fascinating. Okay. And also just thinking about that world after like banging on a couple of weeks ago about the new Rebecca Mackay book, I have some questions for you. This true crime stuff and this idea of true crime podcasting and story and stuff like that has just been really playing in my head. So maybe I was more open to seeing and hearing what's happening Mm. now, particularly with someone like Serial that have game in this field, that have a lot of money in it. But yeah, it did feel also like having watched Only Murders in the Building where Tina Fey um, plays a podcast host which does all this kind of stuff and it's like parody. (laughs) When I heard it's like the coldest case in Laramie, I'm like, this sounds like I'm in Only Murders in the Building. (laughs) It's almost like that title is almost parody, um, which is something in and of itself. But yeah, anyway, something that some Bang fan might be interested in or I'm kind of keen to hear what Bang fan think about it as well because I know that many of you might have listened to it. So if you want to shoot me a little message in the um, in the bang box, in the inbox, the email address is in the show notes. I'm kind of curious about what you made of it too, particularly awesome. if you listen to the whole thing. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, good luck with your big screen debut tonight. Thank you. Not thinking about it. Just going <laughs> to go and do a show. Normal show. Normal show as usual. For the room and for the country. That's right. That's right. No, it'll be great. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. That's all I can say. <laughs> You boys went up at the end there. That's all I've got. <laughs> I'm so nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I'll be fine. You will be amazing. It'll be fine. Chookers, babes. Love you. Thanks. Talk to love you next you week. Bang. 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 Bang.